1: DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings. Use that code DNVR for all their great offers right now for u- new users. Boys, we are back. We're so back. Oh my God, Justin, Jake, J and J, what a special Draft Pod episode. We thought we were stuck in two years of darkness with no first rounders, and instead. That Chubb draft, that, gosh, the draft pod did a lot of content related to that. A lot of Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and Baker's rise. And is Quentin Nelson good value in the top 10? And Roquan, holy shit, that class was, we had to chat a lot about that. The Josh Allen hate and debate. The Josh Rosen misses. And I'm so glad that it gives us a little... More we can prolong our draft talk, thanks to this as Bradley Chubb gets traded. How are we feeling, boys?
0: Rejuvenated, man. Mm. I mean, it's it's a bummer to see Chubb go. It's not like a situation where you're celebrating the Broncos moving on from him. He's played quality football by all accounts. You know, like a good dude was active in the community. but, It's just one of those situations where, with what they've already invested in the pass rush, and we talked about this on the Broncos pod ad nauseum. Like, are you really going to give him the hundred and twenty million dollars or whatever it was that the Dolphins gave him immediately after? Like, to be able to get that first round pick back, it's massive. And, And this team has a lot of holes that they need to fill. Like, there are a lot of things they they have that are encouraging, but there's a lot of things that they could really improve upon. And it just makes this whole next stretch like much more interesting as as far as our job goes like this is our bag we get to talk about a a mid-round prospect like that means you you get to have the whole like well what if this guy falls or you know no this guy's yeah. worth taking you know early it's just i can't wait
2: yeah man tons of fun we are fully back um, so a little bit of a break but um we're back. We, we stay sharp and ready. Um, yeah. Just looking My forward goodness. to, it's a fun class, man. And the positions of need that the Broncos have, it's a fairly deep class too. You think about tackle, you think about corner um, Dre, you've been kind of talking about wide receiver too. So um, yeah, I mean, sad to see Chubb go. And I've seen a lot of people say, you know, what's the point of uh, trading the way edge rusher just to draft another. It's like, well, with this Russell Wilson deal, you now get another mm-hmm. cost controlled guy instead yeah. of a guy who is at the top of the market. So even if they draft another edge with this pick, I don't think it's a bad move and it's not something that should be overlooked.
0: Yeah, it also affirms control. the commitment to Browning, right? Like the fact that yes. they well. believe he is the future there.
1: The cost-controlled part is huge, but yes, the being able to reallot your assets um, when you already let Malik Reed go, who's been pretty good with the Steelers. You've really liked the return with Randy Gregory early and Baron Browning when we've seen him fully healthy, looking like an absolute superstar. And even Nick Benito starting to do some things, um, at least as a situational pass rusher and the interior D line on top of that has been just like monstrous. So, Um, you know, you hope that they can take a strength and kind of divvy up those assets into other areas of need. Jake mentioned cornerback. I think we're all like sneaky intrigued by the cornerbacks in this range. It's nice. It's the Niners pick as well, which right now would be 20th overall. They're only four and four. We'll see how they progress because there have been times where they've looked really good. And the NFC feels wide open outside of the birds. Um, though, again, I think they kind of have a recipe to to mess with the birds. So the the Niners are really, um, it'll be fun rooting against them, I guess is what I'm getting at. And uh, But I'm just warning you guys, as much as DBs will intrigue us and they'll intrigue George Payton, our listeners do not want to hear about DBs. They want to hear about offense, offense, mm-hmm. offense, offense. And I can't blame them.
0: I don't know if they're gonna love who I hope the Broncos stand <laughs> at the current spot. Then, but let's—I'm excited to get into it.
1: Yeah, and that's the other thing. There will be some real superstars that could slip to the 20th pick, even though it's maybe not the primary need. That'll make for a fun conversation. Uh, you know, let, let's just go with it, Jake. We haven't been able to do a mock all year. We're going to run some simulations. You're the man behind the wheel for us. So uh, let's start it off. Let's run the first sim and see what options the Broncos land with here.
2: Well, this one's a little funny off the top because the second overall pick is tight end Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. Okay. Um, Okay. But anyways, the three picks before the Broncos, the Patriots at 17, Kayshaun Boutte from LSU, wide receiver, Number 18 uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, BJ Ojolari, edge from LSU. And then 19 for the Falcons, Broderick Jones, offensive tackle from Georgia. Ah. Um, So the best remaining prospects, uh, this is interesting here. Three quarterbacks, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, Tyler Van Dyke, uh, Bajon Robinson is there. Quentin Johnston is there. Wow. Uh, Clark Phillips, the third cornerback from Utah is there. Jameer Gibbs is there. And also Peter Skoronski, offensive tackle, in Northwestern. Um Jordan Battle, Safety Alabama, Isaiah Fosky, Edge, Notre Dame, Joey Porter Jr., cornerback Penn State. Oh, uh, I can stop whenever you want me to. Eli Ricks, Alabama, corner. Would what you, are the um, other
0: edge options?
2: Yeah. Edge, edge options. and O tackle is what I'm interested in. So Nolan Smith is still there, Edge from Georgia. Uh Zach Harrison's still there. Edge from Ohio
1: State. Oh man, he's been. Arrows yeah. ticking up on that guy the last couple of weeks. Uh, Zion Tupolo
2: Fetui from Washington. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Felix Anaduke oh. from Kansas oh. State. Okay. Okay. Now. All right. <laughs> and uh, um, OT, OT or O line, maybe in general, though it's not the strongest interior O line class.
0: And Jones going yeah. right before you would be tough. Like yeah. if tackles what yeah. you're leaning and then Bradrick Jones goes a pick before you, you're sitting there like, ah, shit.
1: hundred percent, man.
0: 100%.
2: Well, sitting there is still Peter Skowronski from Northwestern. A lot of people have him as offensive tackle one that I've uh-huh. seen on Twitter and stuff. Um, there's Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse.
1: Okay. Darnell He's got Wright some from juice. Tennessee.
2: juice. Um, Penn State tackle. Do you want interior guys?
1: Oh, the Penn State tackle. Okay. I mean, he, for some, has become offensive tackle one. It was insane seeing that breakout game by the um, Ohio State edge, who's going to be like a top prospect going into next year. The defensive end with three interceptions? Yes. um, Whose name I'm really going to... You guys are really going to have to carry me on his uh, name, but somehow... Olu Fashanu, the left tackle for Penn State, not involved in any of those plays. Uh, They all came off the right side. He actually had a pretty strong game against an Ohio State front that we've praised consistently this season. So he would be up there. Did Jalen Duncan go already, the Maryland left tackle? Mm,
2: D-U-N-C-A-N. He is still on the board. Uh, Pro football network has him ranked at 121 overall.
1: Interesting. Um, So really the only tackle and Paris. So I'm assuming Paris Johnson Jr. And Broderick Jones are the two tackles that were gone.
2: Yeah. So in this simulation, Paris Johnson went at eighth overall. um, And then right before the Broncos at 19, the Falcons selected Broderick Jones.
1: Right. Right. Okay. Okay. That's quite the overview. Um, I have a last one to ask you. Antonio Johnson, is he available at 20? I assume. But you never know. You um, never know. Jordan Battle still available, though. I'm assuming the simulator. Ah, uh, uh, he is not available. He went 15th to the Colts. Ah, okay, okay. Good on you, Simulator. Good on you. You know what you're doing. <laughs> I love that. Wow, uh, Jay Mike. I'm very intrigued who you would go on this because you've you've made some great faces while Jake was reading through those, and I think you have some more on the slightly unconventional side guys that you would target here.
0: For me, just out of those names that he listed, the most attractive options would be Joey Porter jr. Who I think is going to be a true number one corner. I know he's a little bit handsy at times, but I can live with it. You know, I'll live with a couple of PIs here and there to do what he does. And man is just so impressive. Um, I Nolan Smith, I think is another guy out of Georgia where if you just look at his, his production, I mean, he's been so, so consistent. Uh, the Penn state tackle or the Northwestern tackle would both be solid options, but I, I think I'd go Felix, uh, and the edge out of Kansas Mm -hmm. state, who I think his stock is just going to keep trending upwards and upwards. And I'd be pretty shocked if he's not a top 20 pick when it's all said and done.
1: Yeah, I'm actually, I think Draft Media is just a smidge behind on him because he's been an absolute superstar. It seems like every week we're uh, previewing a Kansas State game and I need to like look his name up so I make sure to mention him. Um, boy, I think the Big 12 love is going to be heavy because with the boards stacked like this, even though they are not primary needs, to me, Quentin Johnson and Bijan Robinson are like one A, one B here, um, and I don't. Regardless of where you feel Javante's at, I don't think Bijan really like cuts into his touches very much. They are, I mean, they are almost opposite running backs. Not quite Reggie Bush, but and Lendo White, but not that far off either. Um, or uh, for our younger listeners, I don't know, Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara a match of a kind of one-two punch like that. Um, And then Johnston, uh, everything you said about um, the Kansas State edge, I would say about Johnston, Like to me, one of the ultimate risers this season, Um, Jalen Hyatt would be another one. He's made big play after big play and big game after big game. Absolute specimen and athletic freak. Huge size just makes me think of all the big wide receivers that have worked out in the NFL, and he is way more twitched up than you would think for a guy that big. He just puts a little more muscle on his lower body. Sky is the limit. Um, a beast adjusting to the ball midair. And as much as I, I rain praise on him and he's a top 10 prospect, for me, Bijan might be, I think, is actually just slightly ranked higher. So that tells you what I think of Bijan, who's just like oh, an alien, alien.
0: Would you be willing to potentially try and wait for somebody like Jameer Gibbs early in the second or like Deuce Vaughn? I don't know. I'm just thinking like in terms of stylistic guys who bring you something different than what you have in Javante. I think Bijan's probably the most complete of all those backs, but I think like I've said about I think Jameer Gibbs could be Alvin Kamara. So him mixed with with Javante would be a lot of fun.
1: Another great scat back if you want to wait to pair with Javante is the Texas A&M kid, Devin. Devin A. Akane. A. Thank A. Kane. you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Jake, where would you lean on this one?
2: I mean, so many intriguing options. Um, I love seeing Clark Phillips III there, uh, the third there, the cornerback from Utah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, guys, Clark Phillips and Joy Porter Jr., when I think of the ideal number two corner for Pat Sertan, it's it's a guy who's a fucking dog who's going to be targeted like 15 times a game because Sertan's got the other side of the field shut down so you want ball skills you want competitiveness yeah I'll take some bad plays because I know you're going to come up clutch in other times keep talking Jake I just want to throw that out there though
2: um yeah Jameer Gibbs I think is really intriguing too Mm -hmm. and just as a pass catcher and uh, someone that gives a little more juice compared to uh, Javante's thunder. Um, He'd be intriguing. I mean, I'm not fully on the wide receiver train yet. I'm not ruling it out. I guess I could be convinced, but, man, Quentin Johnson sitting there is very, very tempting. Um, Who else? Even Eli Ricks, the quarterback from Alabama. I know he probably hasn't had the best year, but maybe it's – I mean, he's a very talented player. We know that. Um, just needs to kind of figure it out on the other side. Um, I will say the intriguing thing from this simulation is having Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, and Tyler Van Dyke there at quarterback. I mean, maybe Tyler Van Dyke's still not there, but you could potentially trade this pick if that's the situation. If you have three quarterbacks sitting
1: there. You have so many options we love here, honestly. So Jake Hedden Hooker was gone. Um uh, <laughs> Hendon Hooker is the conversation. See. No, he's not gone. We will he's, eventually have to have guys. He's
2: ranked 120 on pro football network.
1: Wow. Um, the Hendon Hooker conversation is <laughs> funny enough is basically the Gino conversation. Um, so, you know, Russ Gino like, can just continue in
0: perpetuity.
1: Holy shit. Okay. Let's, Let's zero in on an option. I love that. While I think we all agree it's the biggest need, none of us really feeling like O lines the play here.
2: Um, Skoronsky would be a W, I think, if they got him though.
1: Sure, sure. Um, he also the, the fun conversation about O line will really depend on if Hackett is still the coach and what the scheme is because, um, Skaronsky, for example, makes a decent amount of sense. Um, the Syracuse guy makes a decent amount of sense. The Penn State guy makes a decent amount of sense. Uh, someone like DeWan Jones, the right tackle from Ohio State, who is more of a late first rounder, but like massive and Bronco's biggest need probably on the right side more than the left side. Woo! He'd be a huge difference maker, but not, not a zone blocker at all. Um, and Skaronsky, there's rumors that he might have 32-inch arms. So can mm. you accept him playing guard, you know, having a drafting, a high end uh, guard rather than a tackle?
2: I'd say yes. You need offensive line help wherever you can get it. Totally.
1: Totally. And I mean, it, then you could kind of frame the right side as Quinn Miner and you find more of a road greater right tackle and Skaronsky bulls are more of the mobile technicians on the left side, you know? Um, is that where you're leaning would that give it give us a pick give us a pick this is how we do it on the mock drafts we we vote at the end
2: uh gun to my head i'm picking clark phillips the third here
1: (laughs) i love i love that pick i love that pick i I guess i'll take Bijan. now we don't have to agree i think we can we can just you know it's it's fine i'll give our picks for this simulation and move on to the next one justin
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to Joey Porter Jr. That would be my <sighs> pick.
1: It's a great. These all feel like outstanding values at twenty.
0: Um, okay, I feel like Peyton picks too.
1: Yeah, they sure do. They sure do. I mean, Bijan less so, but yeah, Clark Phillips and uh, Joey Porter Jr. You betcha. Uh, especially Joey Porter, length, bloodlines, like we, we've seen it all before. Okay, we do the next one.
0: That's yeah, if one. you
2: want another one, this one's a little more interesting. Um, Michael Meyer does not go second overall. It's CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Anderson at the top. Three picks before the Broncos, the Patriots at 17, Brandon Joseph, the safety from Notre Dame, the transfer from Northwestern. Wow. 18th, the Washington's commanders select Clark Phillips, the third cornerback out of Utah. Then 19th, the Falcons select Peter Skoronsky, offensive tackle, Northwestern. Okay. Um, Michael Mayer is actually still on the board. Um, huh. Those three quarterbacks are still there. Bijan's still there. Uh, your guy, Antonio Johnson, is there now. Um, Quentin Johnston is there. It's a lot of the similar names. Um,
1: yeah. So. Tackle, did uh, like Paris Johnson drop or? Um...
2: Nope. Um, in this simulation, we have Paris Johnson at ninth overall, Broderick Jones at eleventh overall, and then uh Skoronsky at nineteenth. So
1: it's a really interesting tackle class because any rankings or mock you see it'll be a different offensive tackle one um you know recency bias. There's a lot of people who have Fashanu or Broderick Jones as kind of like the new hot things. We only have like eight weeks of tape on him uh as offensive tackle one some people have been lower on paris johnson i kind of think he's performed well Skoronsky's obviously firmer in the mix uh jalen duncan's a guy that some people are really high on he's a dancing bear he moves really well and obviously maryland's had a great season i i don't know why we're not talking about talia side note um and then on bergeron's a guy who um is rising up boards for sure the um I hope I pronounced this name right. The Syracuse tackle.
2: He's a top right tackle here in this uh, simulation.
1: And then, I mean, the top right tackle options are Dawad Jones, who I mentioned out of Ohio State, and Darnell Wright out of Tennessee, who we have talked about before. Probably the best tape you'll see of a tackle against Will Anderson all season right here. Um, Tight end is interesting. I think as a compliment to Dulcich, more so than Michael Meyer, I might be more intrigued by Darnell Washington. Who has a blocker the Georgia tight end is? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, just unbelievable. They
2: somehow have Dalton Kincaid ranked 80th. Um, I don't think that that's the case. I definitely think that he's going to be a top 50 ish conversation because he's a stud. Um, there's some good tight ends. There ben, are. I some think good. there's going to be a lot of
0: value though at the position that you could kind of sit on, like as much as you love a Michael Mayer or a or Darnell Washington, like, I mean, you might be able to get a Luke Musgrave like early in the third or or something like that. I don't, I just think there's a lot of tight ends out there that can give you what you need when you can kind of hit on a bigger position of need here in the first round.
1: Yeah, I agree. So I think our picks don't change a ton here. Um, did Joey Porter drop in this one? He's still there.
2: um, Eli Ricks is there. Antonio Johnson's there. Uh, Isaiah Foskey's there. Nolan Smith is there. The Kansas State edge is still there. Same with Zach Harrison.
1: So. Yeah. um, Man, Quentin Johnston's going to be a really fun conversation to have. I, I just don't think he drops, honestly. Um, So it might just be a mute conversation. Ja- but like, Kason Bowdy or Jackson Smith and Jigbuck could drop. And those are other mm-hmm. fun conversations. Like I just I can feel it in my bones that we will be staring a really, really talented wide receiver with probably higher upside than anyone currently on this roster if that pick is in the low 20s.
0: How high it's- can Jalen Hyatt, you know, rise between now and then?
1: I mean uh the highest I've seen him ranked as of late uh Kuiper put him in his big board and he was thirteenth overall
0: wow.
1: <laughs> so um the hypes begin his his numbers and speed are just absurd like he's absurd. always
0: open like we've made this point like eight times already so I'm not gonna go rant on it again but like He's always open. It doesn't matter if you press him. It doesn't matter if you try and go zone. It doesn't matter if you double him. He's always open. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the
1: the interesting part about his eval and the Hendon Hooker eval is it's very similar to the Art Bryles Baylor offensive prospect evals we had where like the width, how wide those wide receivers are isn't necessarily going to translate. So as much as they can spread them east-west really opens up the spacing form that you're not going to have in the NFL and it makes for a tough eval, but like we've seen it speed is speed is the ultimate attraction at wide receiver these days. Um, Look what a difference it's made for Philly and Miami's offenses, or I mean, shit, the chiefs were the model to follow for the longest time. Um, And Hyatt to me does bring an element, maybe more so than Quinton Johnston or anyone else. That we've mentioned thus far that the Broncos offense doesn't totally have. And that also plays right into Russ's best skill set.
0: He and Jameer Gibbs, to me, feel like the biggest like game breakers in terms of you give this guy the ball in space, there's maybe not 50-50, but there's a pretty good chance that he's going for significant yardage. And I just think the Broncos could use a guy like that that's just dynamic and mm-hmm. explosive mm-hmm. and can create yards after the catch. And just is the type of guy that one play can flip a field for you. Cause they don't really have a ton of that at the moment. It's a lot of drive down the field, execute, which is good. You know, like you've got to be able to do that. But like we mentioned with Philly, with, with Miami, with the chiefs, it's a lot easier when you have one guy who can just go one play 70 yards.
1: 100%, man. Manufacturing big plays. We see it as such a like key to college football offenses. You know, um, this,
2: this wide receiver class, just looking at it, doesn't look particularly deep, though, just compared to recent classes. I mean, there's some guys um, that I really like later on. I mean, Josh Downs at North Carolina. We'll see if he declares. Uh, Zay Flowers from Boston College is mm-hmm. going to be uh, there somewhere. Um, Ronnie Bell from Michigan. Parker Washington from Penn State. Um and in terms of the running backs, I mean, honestly, I think Zach Charbonne, someone that could be targeted by the Broncos just because of Javante's injury, and you really kind of need a bell cow for next year, at least the early part. So
1: yeah, six one, two twenty. He's been beasting. He came in as RB four for Kuyper behind only Bijan Gibbs and a Kane okay ak um A-Kane.
2: i think he's leading the league in uh the nation in rush no he's not actually sorry
1: but he's having an unbelievable season um right Chase now Brown too yeah i mean the running back class does feel pretty deep that's a good point on the wide receiver class i hadn't really um you know and then you have guys like the arizona dude you've touted who you're not going to see on many rankings Cowan? and stuff mm-hmm. yep um but yeah, you're right. It doesn't feel like it's loaded, loaded beyond the top six or seven who feel like fucking amazing. Um, Right now at DraftKings, CJ Strout plus 175 to be the first overall pick. Will Anderson, Bryce Young tied at plus 300. And then Will Levison plus 1,500 territory. So it's a three-man race and nothing more. Um I think fair to say if one of those three were to drop to the 20th pick, that's another no brainer right there. Um, be curious to see what would have led to that kind of fall, but crazier things have happened. It's just early November. So it definitely just give us another
0: bong gas mask incident. And all of a sudden yeah, right. Right. CJ strides the Bronco. It's all it
1: takes. Yeah. Or I mean, look in, you know, that's that's funnier than being like just a, a freak injury at your pro day, like David Ojogbo, yeah. who we were we were talking about as what ninth overall before the Broncos made that trade for the C with the Seahawks and then goes in the second round. Like activated um, this week though. He's back. Insane. Insane. Very happy for him about that. That's huge for the um Ravens, who were also adding Taquan Bowers. So like they're their high-end edge picks from the last few years um, make a big difference. All those odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, the presenting sponsor of this here podcast. Right now, to commemorate the start of the NBA season, NBA NBA fans and new users at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, can make any $5 bet on an NBA money line and win $200 in free bets if your team Wins. Jake and I gave out. Jokic triple-double. Historic moment uh, for yokester Hits that. Beautiful. What's in my crack pick? Hits. Beautiful upset. 4-0 for the Kraken over the wild. You love to see it. Um, They've got you covered. We've got you covered. You know your stuff from all angles listening to this pod. So get on that DraftKings Sportsbook. Take advantage of those great boosts, the amazing app, all the odds. Just having the odds at your fingertips is amazing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DMVR. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code DMVR. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and Justin we were just talking about this off air you are rocking an all-time beautiful hat it's Breckenridge breweries Broncos country hat it's just gorgeous with the old school d it's a um god damn it I'm I'm forgetting the term what's the material that hat is made out of corduroy it's a corduroy Mm. hat it's a beautiful thing um and you know Football season, full swing. It's a beautiful thing on a Saturday or Sunday when you're breaking down this O-line tape, when you're getting hyped about some pulling guards, or you're dreaming on some stud wide receiver, quarterback, tight end, what have you, to sit back some Broncos country, Breckenridge Brewery. Um, Of course, they are the official beer of DNVR. And um, it's just good stuff, man. They've got you covered from all angles. The Bronco's Country, the, the can looks amazing, and the beer is quite tasty as well. I've mentioned it before. I like it on a good tailgate show on a Sunday morning, but it is fantastic any time of the day. Long day of work, come home, have one of those, and uh, dream about what could come with this draft. Check out the beer locator at www.breckbrew.com to find a Bronco's Country pale ale near you. Let's switch gears just a second from the Broncos and this newfound first-round pick because, Justin, we also had a new college football playoff rankings. We have a new number one, so a little uh, college football playoff ranking history here with Tennessee coming in at one. I think that's fairly unsurprising what stood out to you most about these first inaugural rankings and what do you think might have the longest, the most long-term ramifications here?
0: I think the biggest thing that stands out is the disrespect to TCU at seven, Mm -hmm. who has four ranked wins more than anybody in, in the top 25. And they're sitting here at seven. They've got four true road wins as well. Like I just, I don't know what else TCU can show and if you're sitting here as a yeah. Horn Frogs fan, it's an unnerving spot because you have no margin for error anyways. You're going to have to run the table and win the Big 12 and probably needs somebody else to slip up on top of that just to be able to you know, jump the people necessary to get in, but I thought that was very surprising. Um the fact that Alabama came in ahead of them to me that shows how much respect they have for Tennessee, I guess, but I I feel like TCU is really being undervalued. And I feel like Clemson is being completely overvalued. Like, What has Clemson done? I'm not surprised they're in the top four. When we talked about this a week or two ago, I said they would be because it's brand recognition. But to me, based on resumes and everything we've seen, it should be Tennessee 1, TCU 2. Because if TCU had the exact same resume, but was in the Big Ten or was in the SEC, that's what they would be. They would be 2 behind Tennessee.
1: I mean, just put the quality wins head to head with Clemson. They have wins TCU does against number thirteen Kansas State, number eighteen Oklahoma State, and number twenty-four, Texas, compared to Clemson as wins against twenty Syracuse, twenty-one Wake, twenty-two North Carolina State. Like it's right there in plain English. And, and I style think style
0: points too. Like, like who would you rather watch? Thank you.
1: Yeah. No, a hundred percent. It's uh It really goes to show you that these rankings more and more are not about the resume or quality wins at all. It's an overall like head-to-head, who do we think is best at this point in the season. It's like full-blown scouting report. But if again, it's full-blown scouting report, Jake, I'm not sure Clemson deserves to be third with how they've eked by some of these wins.
2: No, absolutely not. It's insane to me. You go look at the AP poll and the coaches poll and you know how they're like ranked by points in those polls. Yeah. Michigan is 60 to 70 points ahead of Clemson in both of those polls. And then the committee just go on and for some reason puts Clemson at four. Like they've been just super impressive. I mean, they're really living a completely off reputation at this point. Um, they play Notre Dame tomorrow. And even that game, like that's not a big game as big as it would have been in previous years. Um, Louisville after that, that's a team that has been feisty with uh, Cunningham at quarterback. Uh, They're a 5-3 and team, though. You're not going to get too excited about that one. Miami's down. South Carolina isn't much. Um, Just I, I always try to preach patience, especially in these situations when like the polls just come out, especially the CFP poll, because a lot of these things do play out, um, yeah, and it's I mean, if Clemson wins out, I think, and TCU wins out with their current resume. there's I, there's just no way there's there's no way you can compare the two. honestly, in my opinion, TCU's resume at this point or at that point would just be so much more impressive, especially if they went out because they still got to play Texas. They got to play Baylor. yeah. um I would take those wins over Notre Dame or Louisville at this point. So I I don't understand the rationale behind that. Um,
1: But you're right. Like pretty much screwed. Michigan's going to correct course. Like if Michigan just takes care of business, they'll end up ahead of Clemson. Like that that Mm -hmm. part of this will play itself out. Um, The other note that stood out to me is how much respect LSU is getting. Bama, LSU, Clemson. The usual suspects getting the most respect
0: here. And that's what's going to be interesting about this weekend is like if Bama beats LSU how much does that jump them they they clearly value that win in Death Valley mm-hmm. highly for T- or for Tennessee I feel like that's a big part of what has allowed them to to jump Ohio State and Georgia here is just the the quality road wins that they have as well It's it's going to be interesting I'm I'm a little surprised I guess that Georgia didn't come in at 2 but again when you talk about quality wins like really who was Georgia beaten at this point. And yeah. this is the only, the, the last, this is the last ranked game they have on the schedule. So it's, it's just interesting how all of this has played out. And I guess I would be frustrated. If, like I said, if I'm a TCU fan, cause you're like, we already have three, four times as many ranked wins as a lot of hmm. other teams. And we're not even going to get a chance.
1: Well, the other thing that's disappointing for TCU is their opponents. This is probably the peak of how high they're going to be ranked. Cause the conference exactly. is inevitably just going to like, they Destroy. cannibalize it, Yeah, they're going to cannibalize like the Pac-12. Them. It's the yeah. same problem. Pac-12, man. Well, Two top 10 teams. So that's as much as the Big Ten. Half as many as the SEC. Um, but then like a ton of top 25 teams. You have um, four top 15 teams, which again is more than any conference. That's not the SEC. The Big Ten only has three. So I guess they have four top 16 teams. And then, um, so it's, it's, they're getting some respect for sure. But as you were saying, Jake, it kind of feels like they're already out of the conversation.
2: Yeah, they're done, man. I mean, with Oregon at eight, you need them to win out. Um, they still have a big game coming up against Utah. They do play Washington and Oregon state also all good football teams, but, uh, I think that that week one loss man they're just not gonna be able to recover from that beating that georgia took Mm -hmm. to them um it it just looms too large and the fact that they didn't they didn't think that they could put um usc or ucla ahead of them um i think is just kind of the death sentence for the conference in terms of the playoffs this year
0: well even if georgia loses to tennessee (laughs) and they're a one last team it's like yeah but they they beat Oregon by a billion points. Like they'll just point to that head to head. So I agree. I don't really see a path forward. I think TCU has a better chance of of slipping in than the PAC 12, but I mean, it isn't out of respect to the depth of the PAC 12 as a whole. Clearly it's good football. They're just them in the big 12. They don't get the benefit of the doubt the way the other conferences do, where it's like, if you have any slip up at all, you're done. And sometimes even if you don't have any slip ups, you don't get the opportunity. And I understand the frustration there. And it probably comes back to the main point we've been talking about for a couple of years now. And that's just we got to get this expanded playoff on the table here.
1: Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Um, But you're right back to the Pac-12. I mean, I think this really, really sets up to have two SEC teams in at minimum. Um, Ohio State-Michigan is a choose-your-own-adventure, but they're on a collision course. One of those is a lock unless they were to get upset in the Big Ten Championship, which... I will play Illinois, too. It's not an easy game. Clemson can basically, with how they're ranked, Clemson could afford to lose a game, still win the conference. They're probably still getting the edge over a Pac-12 winner. Um, And then TCU has the edge. So, yeah, you're ju- you're just behind... Every single other Power Five conference, um, with the top dog probably cannibalizing and taking two spots off to start with. So, yeah, it's just a, a tough spot in a year that's been really great for the conference. Honestly, I'm so encouraged by how good the Pac-12 and Big 12 have been this year, and Tennessee, mm-hmm. who seemed done and dusted for the longest. Like it's been a really encouraging year for those people like me who are starting to just feel like, man, it's, it's the top four or five and then the rest.
0: We need more some parodies parties. and it's been, it's been encouraging. And I don't know, it, it's fun to have some of these other teams up and up in the conversation. Like yeah. I'm a Bama guy at Tennessee lost stung. I feel like it's on coaching. That's a whole different rant, but to see that, you know, reaction and to see, that community invested. It, it makes me want to see some of these other, you know, dormant programs revitalized. And it should give you excitement like we've talked about if you're a CSU or a CU fan. Like, with the right guys, with the right momentum, you can turn things around even if it's been dark for quite some time.
2: Absolutely. Well, I mean, back to the Pac-12, Oregon State at 23. This is <laughs> the first you. time they've been ranked in three four years. Yeah. Uh, Tulane at 19 in the CFP mm-hmm. rankings. Syracuse is up there. Illinois. Um, Illinois. Yeah. So
0: there, there's hope. You just gotta, you gotta get it down. You gotta get the right people in the building. Yep. Should Syracuse be in the top 25 after that performance against Notre uh, Dame though? I get that the week before you have the game against Clemson and that's a, I don't know, back-to-back losses. I was a little bit surprised they came in at 20.
1: But uh, if Notre Dame gathers some momentum from that, um, That could be huge for a few different um, contenders. Like if Notre Dame plays Clemson close or even upsets Clemson, all of a sudden USC could add another real quality win if they beat the Irish. That would be huge for them. That'd be massive. That'd be really massive. I mean, because suddenly, if you had like a one-loss Georgia who doesn't win the SEC title, uh, you could make a case that USC has more quality wins. Just it's, it won't happen, but um,
0: the larger really the better. Whoever, they team. they need the right. style points. If anybody's gonna like come in here hot, they are to like like it's gonna have to be like CU does to Baylor or Texas, what we saw Kansas State do to Oklahoma State or something like that. But if Bama wins out and they win the SEC, they're going to get in as that fourth team. Yeah, regardless yeah. of what happens with the hundred
1: percent. Well, let's get into this slate because now the stakes are higher. And while it maybe isn't the most loaded slate, top to bottom, you have two absolute monsters, what I like to call national quarterfinals in um, the regular season here. Tennessee, Georgia. Great offense versus great great defense. It's the old immovable object analogy. Something's got to give here. And this is where things get for real for Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker does this against both BAM and Georgia. It is fucking on, boys. Um, how do you see this playing out? Are you guys seeing the 7.5 Georgia spread on this one that I am? DraftKings is at eight, 8 right now. 8. There you go. Even better. Yeah. Um, I think I'm, I'm confused,
0: confused that it's an eight point spread, but the over under is 66 and a half, which essentially is saying Georgia's is going to win, but they're going to win in a, by multiple points in a shootout. And it, to me, if this game's a shootout stylistically, that's going to favor Tennessee, which has shown they can put points on the board in a hurry. I mean, I, I like what I've seen out of sets and Bennett this year, but I, I don't know. He just doesn't feel like the guy that's like going to score forty-four and and win the type of game that Tennessee won uh, against Alabama. What do you guys think? think
1: Tennessee's uh, over yeah. under set at twenty-eight and a half. Georgia's at thirty-seven and a half. So they kind of see it as a, you know, that kind of game. And I think Tennessee, at minimum, you do assume they'll score twenty, even against the dogs. They're good for twenty.
2: I
0: think,
1: At
2: least, uh, I would think. I think Tennessee is the side, just as Justin was saying. I think with that plus eight, um, you cover yourself in a shootout um, with the touchdown. I like that, and the fact that I mean Georgia, I do think is going to win this game. Though I think that they're going to flex their muscles and really remind people who that they who they are. Um, and I do think that they can score, though, Justin. I think that Stetson Bennett can do some things. Um, We've seen his growth this year. And I think that, I mean, I wouldn't rule out a Hendon Hicker pick six or a a fumble that gets returned for a touchdown for Georgia too.
1: Yeah, 66 does feel high though. Like I could totally see this going 40-20, 40-28. I don't see the dogs good for much more than that. So you're right. I mean, it does kind of have to be a shootout for this over to hit. So I think maybe yeah, it's the... just
0: kind of confusing how these numbers correlate, I guess, is I'm I, what am I missing here? This is all I'm curious of. But and I do I mean, think that uh, Georgia wins as well, but not often that you get plus two forty on the money line for the number one team in the country and has done yeah. nothing but you know produce in the biggest stage all year long. It's it's probably worth a sprinkle. Ada Georgia's
1: game. last nine mm-hmm. games against AP ranked teams have gone under the total points line.
0: I definitely like the under
1: the under is hot. I think Georgia might be the sharp play. Um, I love Tennessee. I don't know that I fully believe though.
0: Interesting. This is a confident line from Vegas. Like if it was like four or five, then I'd probably be like, Oh man, Vegas thinks that Tennessee has got a pretty good chance of winning this. But the fact that it's, you know, getting closer to double digits, it's, it's a little surprising, but I, I will say, when Vegas is this confident, you should probably listen to them. I mean, it's track
1: record, man. It's track record. They might have done it against Bama, but Georgia, Georgia hasn't been at these levels for a, a really long time. Like maybe you bring guy's it to the times. table
0: defensively what Bama does not, and that's probably the ability to at least slow down this offense. You're not going to stop this offense completely. Like I don't think it's going to be the Georgia Oregon outcome. Yeah, but they're going to make them drive like Jake said I think you know it wouldn't shock me if Hooker throws an uncharacteristic interception like we just there aren't many defenses in the country that could push you the way this Georgia team does you know it's going to be an insane atmosphere uh, i'm i'm just looking forward to it
1: oh it's going to be an amazing game and then bama lsu 5 p m death valley just the best um 13 and a half for the tide and here, I, I've i seen too many of these to to be a sucker and lay two touchdowns here.
0: There's a reason LSU is 10. And I, I think Bama wins this game, but I have a hard time seeing this be a blowout. And maybe you get the late cover there. Like Bama's up by a touchdown, LSU driving. They pick, you know, throw a pick. Jameer Gibbs gets the... Emphatic, you know, touchdown, you get that backdoor cover late. That's where I could see it kind of playing out. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I have not seen enough consistently from Alabama defensive side against quality teams that can move the football and this LSU team can move the football and what they have at wide receiver really makes me nervous.
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: Hard to I,
0: trust Jaden Daniels, Jake.
2: It, it is. Yeah, I just don't know, though. I mean, LSU had a big win last week over Ole Miss. And personally, I thought Ole Miss was overrated. They beat them by 25 points. Correct. Uh, they had a 10-point win over Florida. Yeah. Um. I mean, they have an impressive win early in the season against Mississippi State. And that Florida State loss, I mean, I hate to say this about college football, but it just is a matter of fact. That loss looks better and better with each week as we go on because Florida State is a decent team. But still, I just think that Alabama, in terms of coaching, and Bryce Young, who is just incredible, um, I don't know, man. I'm just not comfortable on LSU on this side. They hurt me too much early in the year. I already told you guys that. They're on my do not bet list.
0: My gut says this is the uh, the Will Anderson game, for whatever it's worth. It feels like he's due.
1: Watch the edges on this one. Will Anderson and BJ O'Jularian, Ali Gay, um, the wide receivers we've mentioned. That O-line for Bama scares me. And um, But the thing is, if the back seven, if those second-level defenders, Henry Toto, I'm looking at you. Will Anderson, I'm looking at you. You guys can hold the edge, make it so that Jaden Daniels isn't much of a threat with his legs then this I might look like an idiot and this is a really easy cover.
0: I just have so much faith in in Bryce Young at this stage from what we've seen. Like if, if you put, you know, a knife to my back or whatever, you know, I'd probably pick Bama if I was taking the spread. But just based on everything that we've seen so far, Bama's, you know, questions in the secondary, they've been inconsistent when it comes to penalties and just really uncharacteristic mistakes, like a lot of self-inflicted wounds all season long that make me nervous. It's weird to say that though, because at at the same time, like, I don't know if I've ever had as much confidence in like a leader of a team as I do in Bryce Young, like what we have seen from him from a composure standpoint this season. I I just, I trust him to get it done. I'll say that, but it's a perfectly set spread because you can kind of see it going either way.
1: Yeah, this is a tough one. Um, What other games do you want to get into? We can go any which way.
2: Tonight, Oregon State visiting Washington. Uh, Oregon State plus four. I really like that. Um, This team is very, very tough. Washington, I still think a tad bit overrated. Michael Penix has been really, really good. There's nothing bad you can really say about his game. But as a whole, I think Washington has been somewhat underwhelming uh, recently. And I really like where the Beavers are headed. Um, so I like them plus four.
0: What about the money line at plus plus one sixty five? Does we get it say to win this? Yeah. I, I'm I'm a, I think that they definitely can for sure. All right. That's what we're rocking with tonight. Go beeves baby. I like that. Yeah.
1: good talent on the O-line to watch for Washington. Musgrove a must watch the tight end for Oregon state. Um, Justin.
0: We got a big game coming up, uh, just in terms of like G5 football of who might end up being the New Year's Six representative, uh, Tulane going on the road at Tulsa. They're seven Huge. and a half point favorites. They need to win this game convincingly. Uh, so it's just kind of one I wanted to throw out there. I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I I do like them to cover it, but seven and a half, it's it's a little bit wonky. Um, man, it's it's a tough one if you're a local fan, though with CU getting 31.5 points at home against Oregon, CSU 24-point dogs at San Jose State. Um, I certainly wouldn't recommend betting on the Rams after what we saw against Boise State because you're yeah. basically playing the exact same style of team in San Jose State, an elite front seven, a ton of speed, dual-threat quarterback, playmakers in the skill position. The one I wanted to ask you guys about, though, is Illinois 17-point favorites against Michigan State. I really yeah. like this Illinois offense, but 17, I don't know. That feels a little bit cheesy to me.
2: I mean, Michigan State was just incompetent last week. Michigan did dominate them. So, uh, I mean. Just,
0: I they got a bunch Illinois, of players suspended too, so they're yes. shorthanded.
1: Yeah.
2: I just don't know if Illinois can dominate them to that level that Michigan did. Because Michigan dominated them, and it was, what, a 22-point win? I mean, they should have won by 30, 40 points. mm.
1: Yeah. yeah, uh, that's a tricky one. You're gonna have a really fun running back matchup with Texas at Kansas State. Um, Bichon against Duspawn. Obviously, Clemson Notre Dame's gonna offer tons of pro talent. Uh, watch Isaiah Fosky against that offense, and Clemson is just like name a guy, and he's an NFL prospect. Um, but obviously, definitely Miles Murphy, Brian Brees, and um Trenton Simpson are the Big names to watch for Clemson, uh, Sam Hartman against Leary, Wake Forest, NC State's a fun little quarterback matchup we have this week. And probably for the Broncos, the one you want to dial in on the most is Skaronsky against Ohio State. You have three NFL offensive tackles with Skaronsky on one side and both Paris Johnson Jr. and uh, jo- DeWan Jones on the right side for the Buckeyes. So uh, that that should be a fun one. Even though they're 1-7, I kind of feel like Northwestern might be frisky in cover
0: there. I'm glad you brought that up. There's a couple of intriguing frisky matchups. I quietly like uh, Vanderbilt to beat South Carolina at home. Vanderbilt, you can get him at like plus 205 on the money line. I like UNLV going on the road against San Diego State too, plus 210 on that money line. Hell yeah. I do need to monitor what happens with their quarterback situation. Hopefully they've got Brumfield back. And if they do, I would jump on that one. So follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Michael. I'll throw some Mountain West updates as we get nice. a little bit closer over the weekend. But there's a, there's an opportunity to mine some value here within the conference.
1: Great plug.
2: Pac-12 wise too. Um, I'm looking at Arizona traveling to Utah. Um, the Wildcats catching or a uh, 17 and a half point dogs. This is a team that has been very explosive offensively. Yeah. Uh, Jaden Delores has been playing at a very high level. I just simply feel like 17 and a half is too much for a team with this much firepower and just competence offensively.
1: A low key important tape for Clark Phillips here. Mm-hmm. How can he handle that speed? You know, um, that's a good one. Where
0: are you guys at with uh, Washington state going on the road to Stanford four and a half point dogs.
2: I'm I'm completely out on Stanford now. They just have lost <laughs> it. Um, and cool. even though Cam Ward is just he he's good and he's nice, and I think he had he went like 27 to 31 last week. But then it's like Washington State. He only has 200 and some passing yards, and they only score like 21 points. So I, it's it's weird. The
0: receivers are not great though. Like that's the thing that I keep coming back to is they don't like they're not open very frequently.
2: Mm. Stanford's
1: just bad, though, too, man. It's a decent quarterback matchup. Kim Ward it, against it Tanner is. McKee. Um, as far as prospects go, TCU with my guy, Quentin Johnston, our guy, against mm-hmm. Texas Tech, who has Tyree Wilson, just one of the leaders in sacks and pressures this year. He's a stand-up 6'6", 275-pound edge um, would not surprise me if he went top 15 or even snuck into the top 10. Texas Tech hasn't given us much reason to talk about them this year, but he is one of the top edges in what is really becoming a very intriguing class. So definitely key in on him. Love it. There you go. That's the show for us. Um, man, so great to do this, boys. We will be back next fun? week. Yep. And uh, we'll be talking more draft, more college football. This is our season. It only gets crazier from here. So thanks for tuning in. We'll be back. Bye.